0: Well, she was a French pianist. She was born in France in 1932, and it became evident, I guess, in within a few years that she was a phenomenal talent, a, a prodigy of the h- highest order. Mm-hmm. So her parents, uh, Michelle and Elizabeth, decided that they would take her to New York. They would take her to the United States, where she would have a chance to be trained and and um, and helped. And so she arrived at the age of uh, eight. She arrived at the age of eight. And uh, two years later, made her town hall debut as a, in a solo recital. And then one year later, at the age of 11, played with the New York Philharmonic. I mean, this was obviously a woman who was just... A, a child who was just um, unbelievable. And I think even the Times has said something like um, Claudette Sorel is in the front rank of American pianists, and she was only 11. <laughs> so this was, was really quite something. Uh, she had a, a fantastic career in, in, after that. I mean, in the 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, the problem was in the 70s she had an accident and was not able to play on the stage anymore I mean so uh, but I think besides her extraordinary skill as as a great pianist she was a great spirit because she um, thought in different ways you know she was the kind of woman who didn't just stick with what was the repertoire that everybody played she was always looking for new voices and she, all of her life talked about how grateful she was to her adopted country who helped her. So she tried to repay that debt by playing a lot of American music, Paul Crest and Lucas Foss, um, uh, who else she champion? Peter Menon and Aaron Copeland. I mean, this is when they were young composers and she was seeking them out to play them all the time. I, I knew her after her accident, of course, You know, she was um, at that point teaching, But she also wanted to help women. She always felt that um, as a woman, perhaps pianists didn't have as easy a time as as men did. So she wanted to use her family's resources to help women. And then she expanded that to conductors and composers, women conductors and composers, which is how I met her. She sought me out and, and I was truly still at school. I was at the very, very beginning of my conducting career and, you know, clueless really. But um, she wanted to know what it was like for a young woman trying to forge a conducting career. And, and she spoke to composers and she asked me to be on her advisory board, which also was, you know, it was a big shock to me as someone who, you know, was just really just a student. Um, but she was very inspiring because she would talk about these things, about how she could help. and extremely generous to people who needed help. And um, uh, I, I remember how how uh, she never gave up. She was the kind of a force of, force of nature, really. Um, and I admired that about her and also her, her, uh, her strength. You know, she was very petite, she was a very tiny lady. Uh, when you listen to that CD, those CDs, you will never believe that because the kind of power she achieved on the piano was something incomprehensible. later at an actual foundation that she left she died in 1999 the foundation that she left got in touch with me again and said we would like you because you knew corp sorrel are you knew Um, and uh we'd like to have you help us try and find new ways now of you using her resources in the way she would have wanted so we talked about it for a long time and i think it it was it was decided that the best way we could help women right now is women composers because they were the sort of the voices that were still you know, not heard and not encouraged. And so a lot of those grants now are going to women composers and are really living women composers. I'm really happy about that.
1: Joanne Folletta is music director of the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. She's also one of the founding members of the Sorel organization advisory board. We're speaking on the occasion of a re-release of recordings by the pianist Claudette Sorel entitled Claudette Sorel Rediscovered. The pianist, educator, author, and philanthropist is clearly an inspiration to you and many others. I read about New York Times music writer Ellen Cousin describing her artistry at its best with music that demanded delicacy and lyricism but also one that included difficult contemporary works does that is that kind of a description that speaks to you
0: she never hide away from anything difficult it was a challenge to her and she 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 did i mean she climbed those mountains but she also was a very poetic player as well strong and poetic um and always open-minded and you know that's something all of us should be you know so i try and emulate her in terms of uh, you know finding new music because that's that's partly what what made her so unique in in the world and and she loved to teach too she especially after her accident she had the accident um uh in the 70s um she worked for uh uh, with a lot of love for a long time at SUNY Fredonia, the State University of New York at Fredonia, which is a fantastic music department. She headed the piano department there, and she, part of her legacy is is a piano competition for young for young uh, people uh, that they they are sponsored by, by a gift from the from the foundation. So uh, she was active in so many ways. She was tireless.
1: What did you learn from her?
0: Well, I, I learned to be, I think, more courageous because, again, I was uh, at Juilliard just trying to sort of keep my head above water and learn as much as I could and, and, and uh, uh, you know, just, just keep getting better. She was not content with the status quo. She really wasn't. And it wasn't for herself. She wanted to help women. She had had a very successful career. Uh, and would have continued it had it not been for the accident. But she saw other women that were not, were not as lucky as she was. And I thought that was so generous of her to try and help them. And uh, um, she, that, that implanted this sense of, of, of changing things. And I think when I had the opportunity to uh, do some unusual things, like work with the Women's Philharmonic, I worked with them for 10 years, and it was an orchestra that only played music by women. And um, she was very happy about that. I mean, because it was, those were voices that were forgotten.
1: The classical music world has been described by many others and yourself as a conservative place. Uh, change has come slowly. Have you seen change for the better, especially as it relates to your goals and the goals of Odette Sorel and her hopes and beliefs and dreams?
0: Yes, definitely. And most in the last five years, I would say, all of a sudden there's been an emphasis on uh, bringing our world into the 21st century, you know, and finding those voices. uh, I mean, we'll always cherish and love and play Brahms and Beethoven and Mozart, and we'll never lose those. But, But we're living in a very different time, and we need to embrace that time. And I think that all of a sudden in, in this century, we're waking up to that, that, that possibility, that, uh, that great adventure of discovering that music, and also going back to people who were unjustly neglected, and a lot of composers of diversity, who found that their music was not played was not championed, and uh, redress that because there, there's some so much great music.
1: Claudette Sorel is the new re-release of classic recordings by the pianist, educator, author, and philanthropist. I've been speaking with Joanne Folletta, music director of the Buffalo Philharmonic. Thank you very much for your work, Maestra Folletta, and for continuing the work of Claudette Sorrell.
0: Thank you, Peter. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks.
1: For WRCJ, this is Peter Worf.